Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. Hey, good morning. Welcome to Politico Tech. Today is Monday, August 7th. I'm your host, Stephen Overly. A summit at the White House today will put a spotlight on the cybersecurity of K-12 schools, but the actual resources being offered to those schools appears to be limited. The Biden administration is offering cybersecurity tips and plans to conduct a dozen security exercises over the next year. The most significant idea to watch is a proposal floated last month at the FCC to spend $200 million to beef up cybersecurity at schools and libraries. Again, that's just a proposal. Google is preparing to face off against state and federal antitrust enforcers in September, and its case just got easier. On Friday, a federal judge ruled that the states suing Google could not prove one of their key arguments, that Google search results actually harmed its competitors. That's a clear win for Google, and it's another reminder that antitrust officials have struggled to bring successful cases against big tech companies, despite arguing that they have too much control in areas like search and social media and e-commerce. Meanwhile, Zoom is the latest company to tell workers it's time to come back to the office. It's an ironic move, considering Zoom got most of us through the pandemic. I'm curious to see if the federal government now follows suit. Just last week, President Biden put new pressure on agencies to bring their workers back this fall. Today's episode is all about embassies in Silicon Valley. Well, not literal embassies, but more governments are setting up offices and sending diplomats to the heart of America's tech industry. These aren't the same suit-and-tie officials that you find at embassies here where I'm located in Washington. But when it comes to tech, the foreign officials in Silicon Valley have proximity to true power. They are meeting and socializing with CEOs and investors, including those at big firms like Google, Meta, and X, you know, the new Twitter. My colleague Brendan Bordelone traveled to Silicon Valley to visit some of these offices. You should read his recent profile on the UK's tech ambassador, Joe White, after this. You'll hear a lot about him on today's show. Brendan, you and I both live in Washington. Embassies are like on every other block. You know, when I walk to the metro, I pass Zimbabwe and like Argentina, right? So like these are not necessarily very new or even all that exciting for the Washington set. But we're not talking about like these traditional embassies. We're talking about these sort of outposts that countries have set up in Silicon Valley. What what exactly are these quote unquote embassies that we're talking about? Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's both uh, very similar and in, in, in some ways and in, in quite different in some ways compared to what uh, you'd see in Washington with the uh, diplomatic presence that you know pretty much every nation on the planet has in the nation's capital. It's a little more limited, Silicon Valley. Uh, I think for the most part, the countries that are sending tech ambassadors over to Silicon Valley are, tend to be from U.S. allies. So Europe is really overrepresented in a lot of ways. You have some Asian countries, uh, South Korea, uh, Japan who have really sent uh, some sort of a diplomatic presence to the, to the valley. Uh, what they're really there to do, uh, I mean, at some level, it depends on what country you're talking about. But it's really twofold. One is to talk to the uh, tech companies, really like the centers of, of power, uh, not just in, in the U.S., but really around the world when it comes to uh, um, technology. It's really China and the U.S. are the two sort of poles here. 
talk to them about investment, about bringing in uh, you know new venture capital into whether it's Europe or the UK, Japan, Korea. Uh, and then the other thing is talking to them about regulation, uh, trying to sort of chart a path forward um, in a really fast changing uh, industry industry environments. Um, obviously, AI has supercharged that. And a lot of folks, um, I think particularly in Europe, are very worried about uh, where AI is going and want to be able to have sort of a direct line of communication with these companies. At least certain countries see big business opportunities, right, in tech companies. And some of them even want to kind of replicate Silicon Valley in their home countries, right? Okay, the UK especially. Yeah, uh, the United Kingdom is all about that. Uh, that That's become like a big vision of the prime minister. Uh, he's He wants to be like a, the UK to be a world leader in AI. So yeah, he, he's a, they are expressly in Silicon Valley to uh, lure in that talent and really like do everything they can to bring in, uh, I think, venture capital so that they can grow their own uh, tech industry and their own tech ecosystem out there. Well, that's interesting because it takes a different, you know, skill set, kind of in a different personality in some ways, right? To be do that kind of outreach compared to what the folks here in Washington are doing, engaging on, you know, foreign policy and trade and and, and these different topics. And I know you were out in San Francisco and you interviewed Joe White, who you described as sort of the tech ambassador from the UK. He's sort of an interesting character. Like, what can you tell us about his background? Because I feel like it's sort of emblematic of what these ambassadors out there are like to some degree. Yeah, this is where I think it, it really diverges quite a bit from the average diplomat you see in Washington. So Joe White is like a, a longtime techie. He was a uh, venture capitalist for a long time. He, he founded a startup, a, a British-based startup, and, and cashed out uh, uh, in a pretty big way. Lived out in Silicon Valley for a very long time, uh, actually in San Francisco. Um, his wife is actually a big executive at Google. Not the kind of diplomat that you usually see, uh, certainly, again, you know, uh, interfacing with governments. But when it comes to these tech companies, I mean, he's he's one of them, basically. So he's able to go in. You know, somebody told me when I was out there, like, he knows not to show up to a meeting wearing a tie, right? Like, he's he's got, like, he can kind of, like, speak the lingo, and he knows not to take things too seriously. It, it actually is an interesting contrast between White and um, uh, Gerard de Graff, who is the EU's um, new tech envoy. So he actually came out um, a couple of years after uh, uh, Joe White was sent over to San Francisco uh, for, by London. He's a longtime European Union bureaucrat. Like he, he was involved in all sorts of digital regulations and setting those up for a long time. And I actually think that speaks at some level to the different sort of strategies that the EU and the UK uh, have when it comes to talking to Silicon Valley. It's not meant to be really a, um, uh, you know, government to government interface, obviously, even though, you know, Silicon Valley is, I think, bigger and more powerful than a lot of these governments. Uh, it really is, you know, it's a much more diffuse set of people that they're talking to. They're talking to academics at Stanford. Obviously, they're talking to tech executives. You know, they're talking to venture capitalists. They're talking to um, the researchers themselves, you know, at these AI institutes and stuff. You know, a lot of it, I think, is these governments just trying to gather intelligence on what new technology is coming down the pike and then try to get a sense of, you know, how can we use this for our own advantage, these, these emerging technologies, and also how can we um, prepare for either the use of, of these technologies by our adversaries or economic rivals? So it, it really is a, a, a quite varied job as far as I understand it. It's not your typical diplomats being sent out there. Yeah, early in my career, I once wore a suit and tie to an interview with a tech CEO, and I learned very quickly the, uh, the, the apparel politics of the tech industry. I'm curious, there's obviously a feature of embassies here in Washington is kind of the social aspect, right? I mean, they host receptions. It's like handshakes and finger foods and people in suits. Is any of that replicated 
out there, you know, is there the same kind of whining and dining atmosphere that you yeah. do get here in Washington? Totally. Uh, yeah. So actually, I um, White told me that they'll regularly have, you know, a bunch of tech bigwigs over. He's actually also the consul or the consul general. Uh, so they have like a consular office, like uh, basically it's like a house uh, out in like the Presidio neighborhood. Very like, you know, beautiful neighborhood. Great house. He said that, you know, they'll have a big like British flag hanging there and they'll have like mini fish and chips and like they'll do whiskey tastings and stuff like that. Uh, and again, it's people like, like venture capitalists and tech executives. And again, I, I think there's a really like a Stanford to San Francisco pipeline that it's just like people are constantly driving up and down the peninsula to these meetings or, to, you know, to these like parties. My understanding is a lot of these folks live in the same neighborhoods as well as some of the big, um, the big tech executives. I think that's indicative more generally of just sort of the, uh, the neighborhood vibe almost that these folks have. They, they hang out together. Uh, you know, it's not just like in these official events. Apparently they do barbecues and stuff like that. I think there's a lot of social, a really big social aspect. I think like, like any diplomat, uh, diplomatic presence, there's a lot of hobnobbing that goes on. And, you know, in that respect, it's kind of surprising that this took so long to catch on. Um, this actually was like the first tech ambassador that was ever sent to Silicon Valley was was in 2017, uh, which, again, you know, six years ago. That That's not that long. In tech, it's kind of an eternity. But um, that, that was Denmark. Uh, so the Danish sent their sort of own ambassador over there. Now the EU, uh, as of last year, they have sort of an EU-wide ambassador. So um, Denmark, the, actually, the Danish ambassador is going to still be... Um, uh, operating as the tech envoy to Silicon Valley, but she's actually moving back to Copenhagen. There's all sorts of, I think, inter-European Union tech fights that she wants to be a little closer to. But uh, but yeah, th this is a relatively new phenomenon, really, uh, of like all these com uh, countries bringing in their own envoys to Silicon Valley. And it is one of these questions, like, why didn't you do this earlier? Because this has been a power center for so long. And I think a lot of these countries, a lot of these regional blocks, uh, are kind of waking up to that maybe a little bit belatedly. Um, and I think with AI, that feeling of like, we really need to get directly in front of these tech companies. We can't go sort of through the interlocutors of media or whatever else. Like we need to have like direct one-on-one -on -one conversations with the people making decisions at these companies. I think you're going to see that like supercharge uh, now that AI has become this sort of like runaway uh, hype machine. What is it about AI? Is it just that it is so new and so transformative, kind of impossible to ignore? Or I think everybody is terrified of missing out on this new technological wave uh, and all the sort of obviously money and power that is likely to come with it. The US and China are basically the only two games in town globally when it comes to cutting edge AI. Europe really doesn't have any company comparable to uh, OpenAI, or um, it, there's no European chat GPT. And, and I, you, you hear Europeans, diplomats and governments increasingly uh, worried about that, actually. I think at some level, they're realizing we have to cozy up to the people in the place where it is happening and try to get some of that magic, you know, rubbed off on us. The idea of uh, AI FOMO is fascinating. And I think <laughs> like, even, even just more broadly, there's a dynamic forming like between the US and the EU, for instance, that is more competitive, right? When it comes to like uh, chips and, and industrial policy and AI, they're trying to coordinate and trying to like be aligned. But at the same time, like there is an increasing sense of competition there. And um, it's interesting to see that that dynamic kind of play out in this way. The other thing that's fascinating, and we've touched on this a bit, like what this kind of says about the power of Silicon Valley, but Typically, like when we've talked about the power of these tech companies, we talk about 
the tech companies having an increasing presence in Washington and in Brussels, right? Expanding mm-hmm. their, ar- their army of lobbyists, bigger offices, trying to shape uh, politics, shape policy. What do you think is like the takeaway here on what setting up shop in the Valley says about the power of these companies when it comes to like their, their interacting with government? Yeah, well, I think, you know, the UK's example is is pretty instructive here. Um, the, the United Kingdom is going to Silicon Valley to talk about an alternative global regulatory structure for technology. And, and the reason they're doing that is in no small part because Washington has not built one. Like there really is not. I mean, Europe is, I think in some ways, the only thing Europe is really doing in a major way is, is tech regulation. Uh, that's kind of like the the, the joke. And, and the US has all the, the innovative technological and industrial potential, but really has done absolutely nothing in the way of, of um, regulating on things like data privacy, on things like social media, uh, safety, uh, certainly on AI. So yeah, I, I think um, I think the fact that the a lot of foreign countries and a lot of uh, various sort of power centers outside of the US are looking more to Silicon Valley when it comes to having these conversations in Washington, I, I think at some level is indicative of a feeling that there's not a lot of energy or activity in, in DC when it comes to these issues. Uh, I, I think that could change, you know, to the extent that Congress or the the Biden administration, or if there's a new administration in 2025, if they're able to get their ducks in a row and actually pass legislation and pass some real rules for AI in particular, I think you might see a little more focus uh, on what's going on in Washington on tech and maybe a little bit less focus in the on the industry side. But at the same time, like governments are not going to be building these tools. Uh, they're not going to be built at the cutting edge of this technology. Um, again, I think that some level, this is one of the issues that Europe has struggled with for a while, the sense that like, if you build a good regulatory structure, uh, everything else will fall into place. That's generally not how it occurs when it comes to, you know, how these how these products and services and systems uh, actually roll out, uh, you're going to always have to talk to the private sector. The private sector is always going to be sort of like uh, ahead of the government on this. I think at some level, it's a function of Washington's dysfunction. But on another level, it's just the, the basic reality of, of where the power lies. And, and I think, you know, also just where the, where the money and the talent lies. Uh, it's, it's, it's mostly out west uh, in, in, on, the, on the West Coast uh, where, where these countries are setting up shops. I think we've definitely gotten a sense of like what the countries gain from having a presence out there. Do the companies gain anything from like having these folks nearby, right? Like if I'm the CEO of Google or Meta, like is there a benefit to being able to summon, you know, the tech ambassador from the UK or the EU for like some meeting in my office? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, that's a great question. So I think, you know, there's a couple things that you can you can sort of point to. I think one is is getting a lot of it has to do with regulation. I think the tech companies, uh, like any any big company, uh, they really want regulatory clarity as much as they can. You know, they make their plans like years out in advance. Regulatory surprises could very quickly, you know, throw those for a loop. So having the ability to sort of like touch base with somebody who's just like down the street and being like, hey, I just heard that like, you know, to, to give Europe, for example, like, you know, the European Union is like finalizing the uh, Digital Markets Act. Like, what is that going to mean for for me as a company? Right? Like, can we sit down and have like a lunch uh, and talk about this? Uh, I think that's extremely valuable for them. There's also probably a certain level of like regulatory arbitrage at play or sort of like, you know, uh, um, almost like playing folks off of each other at some level. So to the extent you can get an ambassador, uh, you know, from one 
country in the room and say like, hey, you know, like I just talked to this other country's ambassador and here's their tech rules. And, you know, we really like those tech rules and we're a little bit concerned about yours and here's why. And maybe we'll have some issues, you know, moving to your country if you can't, you know, kind of meet us halfway on this. I think that's also probably at play. Again, that seems to be at some level what the United Kingdom is counting on with their own uh, tech envoy efforts saying, listen, we're a lot uh, nicer than the EU. We're not going to uh, be as mean to our to our tech companies. We're going to, I think, like, you know, do everything we can to uh, promote a more like innovation, R&D friendly environment. So you should come work with us and, and ignore the European Union. I'm simplifying, but that's, you know, in a nutshell, I think part of the argument. Um, I think that's also the tech companies do gain from that kind of competition uh, when it comes to, you know, I don't want to say race to the bottom, but uh, when it comes to sort of finding a way to like play off almost like playoff regulators uh globally and then like come out to the best outcome as they see it so yeah i think it's it's mostly around regulations at some level it's probably also around um getting business uh from the governments and uh to the extent that you can you know as a company sit down uh with a a representative of that government and just kind of quietly work them day after day or week after week uh you you can maybe pick up a pretty big client uh down the line so i think it's it's all that stuff well, great, Brendan. Thank you uh, for joining the Tech Podcast. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. That's all for today's Politico Tech. Come back tomorrow for part two on this topic. I'll be talking with EU tech envoy, Harard de Graaf. Who do you want to hear as a guest on the podcast? We're open to ideas at techpodcast at politico.com. And for more tech news, subscribe to our newsletters, Digital Future Daily and Morning Tech. Music in today's episode comes from the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Our senior producer is Annie Reese. Our editors are Steve Heuser and Louisa Savage. I'm Stephen Overly. See you tomorrow.